Welcome to the New Providence Presbyterian Church podcast, where we will share our messages from our weekend worship services. We hope these messages will inspire you and challenge you in your walk with Jesus. Well, as you find your seat, I realized that I began the worship service. I was a rude, I was definitely a rude uh, host. Because I didn't even share my name. So if you don't know me, my name is Jeff Lee. Um, If you've come back to this church and it's a year later, you're probably wondering, wait, this is a different Jeff. It's okay, same first name, different pastor. Um, But my name is Jeff Lee. I currently serve as a senior pastor here at New Providence Presbyterian Church. And what an honor it is to serve and to be here with you on this Easter Sunday morning, to be with you here in the heart of New Providence, a community which means so much to me growing up here, growing up in this church and God calling me home. What an honor it is to be able to share the word of Christ with you this morning. Um, if you get to know me, you know I love stories. I love, there's something about a good story that always captures my heart. And I remember from the earliest age, whether it was hearing stories read to me by my mom, and when I, I remember when I first learned to read, going over to the public library and taking out books. And for me, my favorite stories early on were the Hardy Boys. I loved reading the Hardy Boys. Those blue books, I would just pour and read through those books. I loved those stories. And then growing up, and whether it's movies, whether it's TV shows, whether it's additional books, a good story always captures my imagination. I don't know what it is, especially stories when someone finds themselves in a place that they're not sure how it's going to turn out, when there's a challenge that needs to be overcome. And I put myself in the place thinking, what would I do? How would I handle it? What would be the result? Those stories always capture my attention. Now, sometimes those stories aren't just in books or movies or on TV shows. Sometimes they're real life stories, lived stories. Like the story of my sermon flying away because of wind. No, but um, <clears throat> it was about just over 10 years ago, my family had moved from Washington State to, to Virginia. And we moved into a house that was on the edge of a swampy area. And I remember meeting some of our neighbors and you know, some neighbors welcome you in different ways. These neighbors, some of them welcomed us by saying, hey, we wanna let you know Uh, beware of snakes. (laughs) Welcome to the neighborhood. Beware of snakes. Like, yeah, sometimes the snakes come out, just just be on alert for those. I'm like, wow, I don't know what to do with that. And so weeks, I remember maybe a couple weeks later, I was driving and got a phone call from my wife and she's, Laurie, and she said, Jeff, you need to come home. I'm like, what? She's like, "Uh, the girls were playing outside with the neighbors and there is a big snake in our garage and you need to come home. As I heard that, my heart just started pounding. And I calmly responded, I'll be there. <laughs> Hung up and thought, what? What am I going to do? A snake? I grew up in Jersey and like on Bradford Street. There's no snakes. What do I do? So I remember driving up. I'll, I remember the scene. I could always picture it. My daughters are there with their friends. And, and one of my daughters is pointing into the garage. And as I walk down the driveway, she goes, it is in there. And I look in the garage, and there's a big shelving unit. On the bottom level is this massive snake. And it's just looking at me. Now, later I found out it was a copperhead snake. Didn't know that then. Didn't matter. It was just a big snake, the thing that, of nightmares. And, and so I thought, how am I going to take this thing out? Well, I found a, a shovel that you dig with. And so I reached in. I'm like, I'm going to give this one shot. I go, boom, hit the snake. It got jarred. It, 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 it jumped back and then slithered underneath the shelving unit. Like, what do I do with this snake? It's underneath the shelving unit. I'm like, I can't get to it. 
just can't leave it there. I can't ignore it, just hope it goes away. Probably end up in my bed at night. What am I going to do with this snake? So I remember praying. I said, God, what do I do? Now, it wasn't an audible voice. I'm not saying it was an answer prayer. But the next words that came to my mind were, drop the shelf. Drop the shelf. I thought, okay, if I take this shelving unit, launch it down, I'll have a couple seconds to get to the snake. So I remember praying, God, give me the strength. And then counting down from three. Count with me. Three, two, one. Drop the shelf. There was the snake looking at me. I'm looking at the snake. I take the shovel. I just start pounding this thing like a madman. I mean, I don't know how many times I hit the snake. I probably hit it, it felt like a hundred times. All I know is that eventually the snake was dead. And I, I remember, I barely remember doing this, but I have witnesses. My daughters are right here. I walked onto the driveway. I'm not making this up. With a shovel in the air and yelled, Jesus wins! Jesus wins! And they're like, what just came over this guy? It was a word from the Lord. No, it was just Jesus wins. I was so relieved. Now, let me tell you, those two words, that's the theme of today. Jesus wins. That's the theme of Easter. That's the theme of his resurrection. Today we're talking about the ultimate victory of Jesus, that he won. He didn't stay in the grave. He was resurrected from the dead. And because of his ultimate victory, we can have hope and him being victorious in us and through us in whatever we're facing in our lives. And so we're going to focus on that today as we consider the ultimate victory of Jesus. Now, if you recall that when, as he was resurrected from the dead, it didn't look like an ultimate victory a couple of days before it. Jesus, his closest followers, were with him. And then one of them betrayed him. And then all of his friends and disciples abandoned him. And he was subjected to an unjust trial where he was convicted and he was sentenced to death on a cross, a Roman cross by crucifixion. And on that Friday, he died saying, it is finished. He was buried away in a tomb, stone rolled in front, guard placed there. And then on Saturday, which was the Jewish Sabbath, it was a, a day of silence, a day of grieving. The women who traveled with Jesus, Jesus, by the way, had male and female followers, which was a little scandalous in that time, but it showed that Jesus and God welcomed women, that the women were the ones who were preparing to do something on Sunday morning. That Sunday morning, to engage Jesus, what they thought was a dead body. So today we're going to pick up on the account of what happens. In the, one of the early writings in the, of the Bible, written by a doctor named Luke. Luke, whose goal was to pull together the different accounts about Jesus, his teachings, what happened with him, and to put it into one account. And here Luke records for us what happened on that Easter morning nearly 2,000 years ago. Starting in verse 1 and verse 20, in chapter 24, we read this. On the first day of the week... Very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living? among the dead. He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, 
be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then, then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up, ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away wondering to himself what had happened. What had happened? Hmm. Well, here in this account, we see that on that morning, the women who had spices prepared for Jesus' body went early in the morning, first thing in the morning, super early, went to the tomb. And what they expected to find was a dead body. But what they found was completely unexpected, that there was no body. In fact, right there, right then, there were two men with clothing gleaming like lightning. And he said, why are you looking for the living? I feel like I mess this up every year. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Then they reminded them of what Jesus had said. And it's like in that moment, these women, all of a sudden the dots started to connect. And they said, there's something here. There's something here. And they put it together and they ran back and told the disciples. But the disciples, when they heard these words from these women, it seemed like nonsense. What are you talking about? But then there's Peter. Peter, who was brash. Peter, who was all in. And though he denied Jesus, Peter was the one. If there was anyone who was to give it another shot, it's as if Peter thought, what if? What if this isn't the end? What if there's something happening? What if? And he ran to that tomb. And he, too, found that there was no one there. He went looking for something on that Easter morning. That dead body wasn't there. But then we see Peter. I love this description of him. He walked away wondering what had happened. For both the women who were wondering and for Peter they were wondering, it was as if they couldn't wrap their heads around what had just happened. I know for me this account is compelling to me because it's honest. It's honest that the women were wondering what happened. Peter walked away wondering what had happened. I find myself here in the 21st century asking, what happened? What happened? I mean, last time I checked, dead people don't come back to life. And here we are on, Sat on Sunday, April 17, 2022, out in a freezing cold tent, <laughs> like acknowledging that a dead man came back to life. What, what happened? I know for me, I've had to wrestle with this, with the doubts, saying, okay, if I'm going to be intellectually honest, what really what happened here? And for me, a lot of it is, starts with no doubt that I know that something happened. And I know something happened because shortly after this event, after this news got out, the whole Mediterranean world was turned upside down. And all of Rome was eventually turned upside down by the news of this, the resurrection of this man named Jesus. And not only was the whole world turned upside down then, over the nearly 2,000 years, countless lives, millions upon millions upon millions of life stories, have been impacted by the hope in this Jesus Christ. And so I know, I've come to a conclusion, something happened. And then for me, it's thinking, okay, could this have been made up? I mean, this could have been a tale. Is this a fairy tale? Is this like another Hardy Boys mystery? But as I continue to look further, and if you've been around the church, you've heard some of these facts. And for me, it's been very compelling. I'll give you a couple as I've reflected. For me, really wrestling with the fact that if someone was to put this account together, they would not have had women 
as the first witnesses. It's hard for us to imagine here in the 21st century, but in the first century, women didn't have a voice. Their testimony wasn't valid in court. It would have, been, it would have, made, it would have made zero sense to have women be the first eyewitnesses recorded in this story. And everyone would have discounted it right away. So if you're making up a story, you're not going to have women as the first witnesses. Now, lesser known, and this is more just for me because it's been an annoyance in the Bible all these years for me, is if I were to make up this story, I would have done better at picking characters. How many Marys can you have? <laughs> I mean, if you're making up a story, right? Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary Magdalene. Mary, the mother of Joseph. I mean, come on. Pick a different name. <laughs> but there's Marys everywhere. Now, I know Miriam was a well, it's just a common name. Every year, if you go online, you can see the most common name of naming a child. Whatever it was, Mary won that year and all those Marys were born. But there's so many Marys. So for me, I'm like, come on, pick better characters. That's just a small one. That's just my personal one. <laughs> but I think, no doubt, from just the research over the years, knowing that something happened, then the question is, well, what's, what's the significance of what happened? Why did it happen? And for us, it's really interesting for me as I look about, really, again, the years right after Jesus' resurrection, that the early Christian leaders, the writings that they put together, and what God revealed to them was the meaning and significance of this event. Yes, it was significant that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. That's a miracle. But why is that important? And so I want to pay, call attention to two brief pictures of that in the New Testament of the Bible. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, there's a letter. The Apostle Paul, early leader to the church, wrote a letter to, the, to Christians in the ancient city of Corinth. And in this letter towards the end, in chapter 15, he details descriptions about the resurrection from the dead, the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection in general. But at the end, in verse 57, he says this, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's, if he comes to this description, it's like he explodes saying, but thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Because he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The word victory is important. What it speaks to is that Jesus had the ultimate victory. And Jesus had the ultimate victory, yes, over death, but with the ultimate victory also include the ultimate victory over evil, the ultimate victory over sin itself. He had the ultimate victory over death, that he didn't stay in the grave. Death could not hold him. That that love exploded out of the grave. He was resurrected from the dead, showing that he had victory over death. That evil, everything that, that came together to take him out and to have him crucified on that cross, even evil, couldn't hold him. The sin that he took on, all that sin they took on for us, couldn't hold him. He had victory over it all. And the good news for us today is that through Jesus Christ, we could experience a taste of that victory on this side of eternity, to fully experience it on the other side of eternity in God's presence. So how does that work out? Well, another writer, one of Jesus' closest friends, John, he describes some aspects of this victory as well in 1 John chapter 5, 4 and 5. I just want to briefly look at this. When he says this, for everyone, he says, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. Here's this word victory again. He goes, this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. He says, who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Here in three instances, we see the word overcome. And it speaks to victory. Here we see that this is a very important word. Now, it was a very important word back then, this word victory. But it's also a very important word today for many. 
As you see this picture behind me, what does this picture show you? What's that? Nike. Plants going down. Nike. Watch out. Thank you, Jen. So when you see this, what phrase comes to mind? Just do it. Come on, let's get some. This is Easter. Give it to me. Just do it. Feels good to say it. Say it one more time. Just do it, right? Now, do you know that Nike, it, the, it comes from the Greek word nikos, which means victory. And the verb, verbal form of that word means to overcome. And so in Greek mythology, there's a goddess named Nike or Nike, and it was the goddess of victory. And there was victory in the form of arts, the victory in the form of warfare, and the victory in the form of athletics. And the emperor was believed to have a special power, a special Nike power that would give him victory. Now, why is that important? Because John uses the same word, and so did Paul, to speak about a greater victory, the ultimate victory that we experience in Jesus Christ, that we can overcome the world. We can have that type of victory because of Jesus. And so with that, we see in this passage a couple things. First, who's the one who overcomes? We read in verse 5, it's the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. That's is what John is saying. It's forget the emperor. The emperor may seem to have some type of power to overcome, but the real power to overcome whatever we're facing comes when we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, meaning that he is who he said he is, that this person really was the Son of God who came to be with us in human flesh, that he was more than a teacher, more than a good prophet, more than a carpenter. He was the Son of God in the flesh. He says, if you want to overcome, you need to believe that he is the Son of God. Well, what's the impact of that? Going back to verse 4, he says, everyone who's born of God overcomes the world. Born of God. And that's the outcome of believing. The promise of God, the promise of Jesus, and the promise of the Bible is that every person who believes and trusts that Jesus is the Son of God is then born of God, receives a new life, a supernatural life, a life that we can't create on our own, a life that we can't say, just do it and make it happen, that God offers us more. He offers us more. And this happens as we put our faith and trust in what Jesus has done. It says that how do we overcome the world? It's, it's by faith. And this faith is a form of trust. Faith isn't just a set of ideas, but it's faith and trust in a person and in Jesus. And so we see that. What does that faith and trust look like? It's believing that God, not only, not only Jesus is who he said he is, but that he did something that only he could do. And the truth of Scripture in the Bible, and what's true on this Easter and all the time, is that God came to, Jesus came to live a life that we couldn't live. That he lived a perfect life. None of us are perfect. If you normally here on Sunday mornings, I have you turn to your neighbor and say, you're not perfect. I'm not going to make you do that today. <laughs> but you can look left and look right, and you know the person next to you is not perfect. I'm looking at my wife. She knows I'm not perfect, right? So the fact that none of us are perfect. But Jesus was perfect. Jesus is the only one who perfectly lived out every command of God. He did it with perfect love. And because of that, he's the only one who could stand up for us. Meaning all of us have broken God's commands in some form or fashion. God's given us his commands. Every single one of us has broken. And when you break a law, you have to pay a penalty. And the penalty we have to pay when you break God's law is a broken relationship with him, both now 
and forever. That's the bad news of the Bible, that none of us are perfect. All of us have broken God's commands, and therefore there's that broken relationship with God. It's a relationship that we cannot fix on our own. We can't repair it. We can't restore it. But he can, and he made the way to do it. How did he do it? He sent Jesus. Jesus lived the perfect life. And so that because he didn't break any law, he's the only one who could raise his hand and say, I'll take their place. In other words, in a, like in a courtroom, when all of us are guilty, Jesus is the only one who said, I haven't broken a law. I'll take the penalty. And he did that for you and for me. And he said, if for every person who believes that this is true, we get to be set free and to be declared innocent while he is declared guilty. He took that guilt on the cross. That's his death on the cross for our sins. And so for those who believe this to be true, who have faith in this, the promise of God is that a new life is given to us, a life that lasts forever, a life that's connected to God and we're adopted into his family as his children. It's the good news of Christianity and the Bible. And so when you have that new life, it's not just a ticket to heaven. It's also you're given God's spirit, his ability to overcome things that we can't overcome on our own. In a world that says just do it and just work harder, try harder, do more, more money, more resources, more solutions, we realize we just can't do it. Haven't we learned that the last couple of years with this pandemic? A just do it approach can't get it done. Whatever you're facing in your life, if you try to overcome certain challenges, maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's a relational challenge, maybe it's something else, whatever it is in your life, and you've said, I'm just going to just do it, you realize you may make some short-term gains, but after a while, you just can't do it. You can't keep it up. God offers his strength, his grace, and his ability. And the, the promise of God, the promise of Scripture, so for those who put their faith in Christ Jesus, receive that ultimate victory, the ability to overcome with his help. And instead of saying, just do it, we acknowledge and believe Jesus did it. And because Jesus did it, then Jesus can do it, and he brings us along with it. Let me say that again. Instead of just, instead of just saying, just do it by our own effort, we acknowledge and believe that Jesus did it. He did it for you and for me. And therefore, we can say, Jesus, do it. And as we surrender ourselves to him and we partner with him, he allows us to overcome what we so desperately want to overcome. And ultimately, the main thing we want to overcome, whether we realize it or not, is that separation from God that all of us have because of our sin and our disobedience to God. He closes that gap, and he wants you to be his child. So as we consider that this Easter Sunday, um, I ask you to, to consider that in your life. What does that mean for you? What does that look like for you? Um, and how does that play out? Again, for some of us, we might have had faith in Christ our whole life. And maybe today, you're coming to this Easter, maybe you've lost track of God. Maybe you've turned left or turned right. God's saying, come home. Come home. Come back to me. For others of you, you're here and you've never heard this before. You're like, what is this guy talking about? And know this, that Jesus loves you. He gave his life for you. And he didn't stay in the grave. He overcame. He was resurrected from the dead. And he offers you this new life. And for all of us, he wants you to come home to him. And so this Easter 2022, consider what that means for you. As a church, we're here to support you with that. New Providence Presbyterian Church, we want to help you take that next step of faith. If you're part of our church family, let's continue to encourage each other. If you're visiting with us, you're new with us, we'd love to have you become part of our church family and help you support, support you in this, in this endeavor, on this journey. 
For others of you, maybe you're coming back. Maybe coming back after the pandemic. We're meeting outside. This is a safer place. Welcome home. Welcome home. Continue to come home to us. Uh, we're here to support you. Uh, I just want to give you one thing to remember, one thing to do as we finish the sermon, and then some questions for reflection. Remember this from this sermon, Easter 2022. Jesus is victorious, and he gives us the victory through him. Remember that from here. Remember, it's not just a just do it life. Remember that Jesus did it. And because he did it, as we put our faith and trust in him, we can say and pray, Jesus, do it. And help me to do it with your strength. He can help you overcome. What's one thing to do? Um, is consider, one thing to do is take your next step toward embracing the life-transforming hope of Jesus Christ, found in the ultimate victory of his resurrection and promise of new life. Take that next step. Whatever that next step is for you, Again, for some of you, the next step may be just considering uh, faith in general. Maybe you heard something today, it's piqued your curiosity, and you want to know more. I know as a church, we would love to help you in that step. If you have questions, I would love to meet with you, have a cup of coffee with you. I know our leaders would love to meet with you, have a cup of coffee with you. If you're not comfortable coming to me, I'm a stranger, that's fine. Talk to someone that you know, maybe someone who invited you today. Um, ask them a little bit more about this faith journey. Maybe that's your next step. For others of you, it's recommitting um, to this walk in Christ and saying Easter 2022 is going to be a marker in my life where I say I want to recommit to following Jesus and to get on this journey again. Again, maybe you've fallen off the tracks with the pandemic. Maybe something else has gotten in the way. But today could be your day to say I'm back in, God. I'm back in. And for others, uh, the next step, maybe even simply taking a step of coming back to worship next week, next Sunday, and saying I want to continue on this journey. I want to explore this faith a little bit more. Come back next Sunday. Um, and for all of us is to surrender something to God and say, God, the just do it approach isn't working. It's limited. And perhaps, perhaps like Peter wondering, what if, what if there's something more? What if God, you haven't given up me? What if God, you could help me overcome whatever I'm facing with your help to surrender that to him? In conclusion, a couple questions for reflection and help us go deeper. What is one life challenge where a just do it approach hasn't worked and you need God's help to overcome that challenge. Think about that today and this week. Second, you know, what, what have you learned about the victory of Jesus and its possible impact on your life story from this Easter sermon? Think about that this week. And lastly, what could change in your life if God helped you face, face and overcome a specific life challenge that you haven't been able to overcome on your own effort? Imagine what that would be like. Not only for yourself, but for your loved ones. Uh, perhaps God can help you with that in a way that you haven't given him a chance. Or if you have and you've been disappointed, my encouragement to you is give him another chance. Give him another chance. Um, so April 17, 2022, there's only one. This Easter is a day for us to remember our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and so may this encourage you as we move into this year, continue into this year, recognize the ultimate victory of Jesus is what can lead us forward. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father in heaven, God, we thank you for the incredible truth of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. God, I pray for every person who's heard this message. God, wherever they are, Lord, in terms of their belief in you, I pray, Lord, that you would help them take that next step of faith, a movement towards you. God, I ask that you would help them, Lord, as in the midst of their struggles. They would look to you, Jesus, the one who overcame death, overcame everything. 
that they consider, Lord, what it would mean for you, Jesus, to help them in whatever they're facing. Lord, we all need your help. We all need your grace. May this Easter 2022 be a step where we give ourselves more to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>